We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to episode 367 of the Barcelona Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Dan Hilton, and he's Emil Abedessian. How's it going, Emil? I'm well, Dan. How are you? Uh, we're doing okay. I mean, I think to jump right in, we're jumping right in. A little bit of bad news yesterday, wherever I have to say, oh, X player is out for undetermined amount of time or a long amount of time. And some hurt even more than others, of course. And starting with the really bad news, Alexia Puteas has torn her ACL and will likely be out for the next uh, quite a few months. Likely yeah. miss not only the first half of the feminine season, maybe longer, but more importantly for her in the short term, she will be missing the Euros and likely missing, as I said, you know, most of the season or at least half the season of the feminine. This is also coming for Spain and Barcelona after Danny Hermoso both left Barca for Mexico club-wide mm-hmm. and will also miss the Euros through injury. And then just as we began to record this within the hour to make matters even worse, just before we did begin recording, Asisada went down with Nigeria with a knee injury. So again, after Hermosa has gone, Claudia Pina has become a major force, likely, you know, can start for an, uh, you know, an undeterred amount of time. But Aswala, you know, that experienced job was hers. You know, Pina to be second fiddle to Aswala at the center striker position now that Jenny is, has, has moved on to Mexico you know, mm-hmm. you know, just again, the longevity of a career in Spain, a terrific career she had. But yeah, so gutting for a swallow, sure. But gutting, if I already use that for a swallow, I don't have a word. There's no word for it's it's uh, devastating. It really is. Devastating punch in the word. Yeah. Not only again to watch Alexia do it on the biggest stage, at least yeah. Euros, I mean, a, a big stage. And it seems like every time these Euros come along, there's a bigger and bigger platform for it because of the growth of mm-hmm. women's football right now, especially in Europe the international scene so to see the growth of the feminine you know winning the champions league now two years two seasons ago and then yes they fell to Lyon, but you know i was a uh, part of me was really excited for this revenge mm-hmm. tour. and we're still going to get one i mean the feminine did not lose a single game in spain last season i don't yeah. expect them to lose even without alexia i don't expect them to lose many anyway but I, I think spain's chances of the euro are i'd say almost cut in half and then yeah. our chances in europe without her that being Alexei Buteas, depending on how long she's out, again, cut those in half as well. Yeah, I mean, I think the, um, you know, I recently wrote about the the feminine offseason and how, you know, it's it would be ridiculous to say that they're kind of, you know, overhauling or whatever. But in this, in the context of this 
young dynasty that they've had over the last, what would be, I guess, like four years, five years, they're pivoting to just a new chapter of it. What with, you know, Jenny leaving. And I know uh, Melanie Serrano was not, you know, a, a pivotal on-pitch contributor, you know, in, in the last season, but, you know, she was just such a talismanic kind of, you know, just part of the fabric of the club and Layla's gone and, you know, all of that, but it, it, it all kind of came back to, and, and yeah, so when you go down the roster, it's still just an utterly hilarious collection of talent and you can't really poke holes in it, but you know, I mean, and I guess we'll see now, but it's really tough to shake the the sense that Alexia's, I mean, even beyond her awesome talent, her presence on the pitch, I think kind of conveys a certain, I don't know, calm or control or just, you know, kind of everything is going to be okay in a way that, you know, just most players anywhere in any sport on any, you know, on any team kind of don't, don't have. So it'll be, yeah, for, for Femini, it'll be, and I mean, I guess like the, the Spanish national team is <laughs> by and large, like largely a Femini setup. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see, you know, in the midfield, you know, is it, I mean, Patri is going to have to step in and, you know, I mean, it's unfair to, to, you know, kind of demand that level of insane superstar production, but we're going to see a lot of that. It's going to be, you know, Patri and Aitana and, you know, up front, yeah, I mean, uh, particularly for Barca, but but also for uh, here in the Euros, I think Claudia Pina is suddenly you know front and front and center. I'm personally just, I mean, almost like embarrassingly bullish on how great I think she is, and I think she is just watching her play. And I mean, you know, I saw Femini four times in person last year, and my favorite thing to do when she's on the pitch is almost just watch her when possession changes, even whether, whether she's near the ball or not, because she is probably one of the most, I don't know, just kind of relentless and ruthless. Yeah. A to attackers B. that yes. I've seen. Yeah. She's just tireless. Yeah. Yes. And so, I mean, I think she has everything and she seems kind of, you know, impervious to kind of that, the, the big stage, the pressure and stuff like that. I mean, we'll see now that it's silly to call her a luxury player, but she has been something of a luxury. But now for her to be just seriously relied upon at both club and country, it's going to be interesting to see how she responds to it. But I'm super bullish. But I mean, at the same time, like the Alexi injury, I mean, it just, it sucks so much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, another point for, for Pina is that Pina is just turning 21 years old in a month's time. Yeah. So not till August. Yeah. So, so very young. Right. Um, yeah. To your point, too, about Alexia, that when Alexia is on the field, I, I think even beyond that calm is that superiority. That mm-hmm. exception of Lyon, there is a, as you said, a ruthlessness to her. There is something very, yes. as I like to say, uh, inevitable about yeah. Alexia Puteas in the midfield. And, you know, I, I think for, for those of our listeners who are also following and care about the feminine, maybe you should order your Atana Bamani jerseys now because yeah. I, I think if there's a player I believe can make that ascension and just become this talismanic figure on the field, the Femini are built through their midfield and it's going yeah. to have to be Aitana or it's sink or swim at this point for the team with the role Aitana is going to, to, to hold. Now, I, yeah. I tell you this very tongue in cheek, but going from one talismanic figure to another, we're, <laughs> we're heading over to the men's version of this. Again, this is very tongue in cheek. That was a joke mm-hmm. because I'm talking about Cristiano Ronaldo because it is the summer <laughs> yeah. time. You know, listen, if, if there was even a single Barcelona game within 
a week's time or within a few days time, we, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have any fun with this. But the reason I say have fun with this is Cristiano Ronaldo was linked to Barcelona last week or the last few days, <laughs> 24 goals, 38 appearances, absolutely harpooned Manchester United. I have a lot of Man United fan, friends, absolutely harpooned Manchester United when he wasn't in the mood this year. And if you think Kules complained about Luis Enrique, uh, Luis Enrique, Luis Suarez in his final season, just multiply that by 10 times with Ronaldo. And then he's also Portuguese and he's also the eternal rival of Messi, which I think younger fans, that would matter to them. But once he's in a Barcelona shirt, that would not matter to the older, the older Catalans in the stadium. But most importantly, what will still matter to the older Catalans is that all of his actions and words through the years at Real Madrid, every time he had to talk yeah. about Messi, that also he he would always throw a little drive-by shot or a little disparaging mm-hmm. shot at Barcelona. And so, yes, Cristiano to Barcelona, I put that at a I put that at a two to five percent. I, I think the Barcelona would just move forward with Aubameyang and who they had instead of bringing on Cristiano Ronaldo because even that, even him at his age of thirty eight. The wages he's going to expect are just nonsense. They're, it's, it's it's totally unnecessary, and it, it wouldn't make any sense for their salary structure. And, and that's me entertaining the real seriousness of trying to bring in a player who had 24 goals and 38 appearances at the Premier League level. Yes, he scores goals. <laughs> you know, he's he's still Cristiano. He's he's the name. He's the brand name, and he still has the aptitude to score goals. But I mean, everything that kind of comes out. Um, I don't know if you read. I think it, I believe it was. I'm spacing on which English paper it was, but Miguel Delaney wrote a piece on Ronaldo, I believe yesterday or today. And, you know, so many of the quotes in there are just, they're really damning. They're like, you know, it's, you know, managers were quoted as saying, it feels like you're playing with 10 men when, I mean, literally when you're not trying to get him the ball in the box, you're playing a man down. Mm -hmm. He doesn't feel like training. He torpedoes training sessions and gripes about training not being fun and you know i mean just so i mean even if there is you know even a a globule of of reality to the reports i mean it would just be such an awful decision you know i mean just i realize you need to you need to goose up revenue and you know we need to you know get get butts in seats and you know restock the bank accounts and everything so i guess paying Ronaldo, what would it be like 30 million euros might pay off in terms of subsequent revenue. But man, I, I mean, just when I saw that, I was thinking just, I, I was happy that it kind of died quickly because I was like, okay, this, this seems like, you know, we're bored July chatter. But then I saw the video of uh, George Mendez at, at El Prat airport. And I was like, oh, get out of here. Don't tell me this is actually like, don't tell me this is really a thing. Yeah. And I think like Ronaldo was even in the city apparently recently, like in the last like handful of days or something. So I was like, oh no, like it was, it was all coming up wrong. But yeah, thankfully I mean, this is not a thing. Well, yeah, Laporte did admit that he and Mendez did have lunch. And again, now with the passing of Riola, mm-hmm. I have to admit that Mendez is probably the most powerful agent in the world at the moment. Yeah. And obviously mm-hmm. Mendez is not every day having meetings with different club presidents. That's just not happening. And so, yeah, you do have to raise your eyebrows, but I, I don't, yeah, I don't think in that meeting, you know, they talked about Nico Gonzalez, not about Christian Ronaldo. Don't you worry about that. But right. That's <laughs> that's... But, uh, speaking of that Barcelona midfield, in, in a way. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data 
and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Uh, now we're going to be talking about, as I say, the serious business. So we'll hopefully be talking about Andres Christensen with some experts later in the week. And I will have the Kessier podcast that I did a few months ago with the Milan guys and the Milan Weekly podcast linked in the description. That is a full breakdown, not from just I mean, when I looking at two or three AC Milan matches from last year, but uh, I watched him game in and game out. But I would ask you, Emil, what would you think of this transfer window if those two are both brought in on the free transfers as they were? They've already been announced. Mm-hmm. Frankie Young were to stay. Sam Untiti goes on loan to Ren and Lenley to Tottenham. We remember that Coutinho was sold and Pena, that being Naki Pena and Kayata returned to the club among minor moves like Ray Minaj likely being mm-hmm. sold finally, Pjanic possibly being loaned again, those kind of size moves. But you get the gist. Yeah. What if those two free transfers are and renewing Gabi? Yeah, we'll put that in there too. Yep. If that is the transfer business that is done, what kind of grade would you give the the, the window if if that is it, right? If there is no Rafinha, if Dembele does reject the offer, if Lewandowski doesn't get free of Bayern Munich. So is Dembele is gone in this hypothetical? He is gone in this hypothetical. Okay. I mean, I would still give it a re- reasonably high grade. I mean, it's still because I mean I give it a solid. B, I would say, you know, maybe even like a B plus in terms of the, because there's there's a certain element of addition by subtraction in clearing the decks of, you know, Lengle and Umtiti. And especially if you can get someone to pay Pjanic's wages for another season as you kind of wind that contract down slowly but surely. And, you know, I mean, losing Dembele, I think, would be a, a big loss. Just, you know, I mean, I, I bought into what we saw from him in the, in the back half of last season, <clears throat> if, if he's healthy and that's what he is, I would, I would love to have him back all of the, you know, kind of sniping and <laughs> disagreements and, and whatnot in the past kind of as water under the bridge, I, it would be fantastic to have him back. Otherwise, I mean, I think if, if Frankie DeYoung stays, I think what this whole saga has kind of brought up too is we've had to actually contemplate and grapple with the notion of, what if Frankie de Jong is gone? Like, what if, you know, what if, and, and that's, you know, I understand he hasn't maybe been the whatever top, whatever player in the world that maybe his, you know, we expected and, you know, maybe his price tag dictated when he was first, when he was first signed, but 
he's a fantastic player and the notion of losing him. I mean, even for a, a healthy transfer fee would feel like a step back. So if he's still around and these two guys who Christensen, I'm, you know, less familiar with, uh, I mean, I'm not super familiar with either Christensen or Kessier, but Kessier I've kind of heard about and been aware of for longer, but to bring in two guys on free transfers who are 25 and 26 at positions of need. I mean, because, you know, this is like, it's official. It's uh, Busquets' last season. So, you know, whatever, whatever happens, the sort of the, the next, the next Busquets or whoever tries to step into those shoes, it, it's going to be someone next year because we're not going to have the old faithful of Busquets just sliding in and calmly pulling the strings. And, you know, I mean, I, I really like, Kessie is like the, the physical profile, but he's also, I mean, he's a, he's a really smart player. I mean, he played a significant role on the Serie A champions. I mean, he wasn't a bit part player or anything. And I mean, I feel like I've heard about him long enough ago where I'm still flabbergasted that he's, that he's somehow still only 25 years old. But if you do that. Young with, with Atlanta. He was young when he. Yeah. That, that's what I'm, that's what I'm subsequently. That's what I'm now realizing is apparently he was just like a kid when I first heard about him. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> I'm waiting for, you know, once September 1st <laughs> comes and goes and the, and the transfer window is closed, I, I would be totally fine if I didn't hear the words activate, pull, or financial levers for quite a while. And I'm totally cool with not tapping the credit line that you've effectively, you know, sold some of the family jewels for yeah. to just kind of go on a a mad spending spree and, you know, spend what, like, I mean, it would be probably, you know, I mean, they're proposing their, they wouldn't get all three of these guys, obviously, but I mean, they're kind of throwing around 50 to 70 million for Bernardo Silva and Lewandowski and Rafinha. And, you know, those are all really, really good players. And that's great. But I'm, I, I hate this notion of kind of, doing all of this like relentless financial gymnastics just to then go and just spend freely, right? Like instantly. Well, Laporta's comments today were pretty telling when he did say that the second lever, if you will, would have to be pulled for the club to get to a one-to-one fair play. So the first Mm -hmm. lever was necessary to bring on these free transfers and to potentially have the opportunity to, give that the, 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 the letter of release or whatever you want to call it through translation to certain players of which Martin Brothwaite apparently won't even be getting one. So that's what yeah. they're dealing with. They're like, we don't even want to have to spend that on Brothwaite. We want to hope to convince these players first. So we'll yeah. have to see come maybe, you know, the end of August when the transfer window is closing, if those players will finally be given that letter of release. But you, you mentioned the young too. And that's, what's really interesting about this, this transfer window, right? Where do you think that, the things that have come out, like the Bernardo Silva mm-hmm. stuff, right? That De Young, they apparently the club it's either take a salary reduction or move to Manchester United. You know that was yeah. a hard line, and I think the club might even be walking that back at this point because they're understanding what leverage they don't have. And that if Xavi really did say that that De Young should only go if Bernardo Silva is coming, then De, yeah. De Young shouldn't go, and the club right. have to quickly do some, you know, we'll say relationship maintenance. But where yeah. I'm also thinking too that the reports and rumors that came out were worse than what the actual internal dialogue between De Young and the club would would have been. Because sure. even though De Young should be prop- likely taking a salary reduction just to almost to help out the club, right? In a way that 
as we've talked about Busquets and Elba, obviously they're the two biggest yeah. earners. And yet I don't know where their salary reductions are coming at, but they're, they're at a point where they were making so, so much that it's all in deferred payments even. So the club is still mm-hmm. on the hook for Busquets and Alba in a really dangerous way. While for De Jong, with what's left of his deal, if he were to reduce his salary again, this would just kind of be out of good mm-hmm. faith, then the club would be in a better position. But again, there's no reason why De Jong would have to even do that, right? Um, yeah. Again, if, if they're going to only want to sell him or try to convince him to go to Manchester United, if Silva is on his way, I said, City, I mean, they don't want to sell Silva. Why would they sell Silva? Same thing with Bayern Munich. Like we keep saying Lewandowski. And mm-hmm. the truth is Lewandowski is either going to play for Bayern Munich or Barcelona next season. 100% chance that it's one of those mm-hmm. two teams. But they don't want to sell him. And mm-hmm. very much like clubs that do hold leverage and do hold power. I mean, I think Bayern, to a fault, like I've heard their fans complain about the fact that to a fault, they stick to their principles, if you will, or they are not bested by mm-hmm. players. Over and over and over, they're saying we would rather destroy our relationship with this, you know, pseudo legend. Like I, I'm seeing again, Bayern, Bayern Munich fans tying themselves into a knot, saying he is not a club legend here. He's not this, which is wild. <laughs> which is wild, right? Because you know he was part of that uh, Champions League winning side. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, they only have they only really have that that one Champions League to show, or two two Champions Leagues to show for it. But he was playing for Dortmund in the first one. So, yeah. really, you know, he really only helped them get one Champions League and a ton of Bundesliga. Bundesliga yeah. But I think that at this point, Bayern Munich fans, kind of like Barcelona fans with the Champions League for the last 15 years, are take the, taking the league, you know, a little lightly. I mean, Real Madrid fans yeah. do the same thing. They, they take it as some God-given right that they're going to win the Bundesliga. And if you have that philosophy, then, of course, you're going to say, hey, we're too big for you to go somewhere else on your own accord. So you're going to stay here. Uh, and I think that, that that fight between Bayern and Lewandowski, again, that could turn not only ugly, it's already ugly for them, okay. but that could turn in Lewandowski just not playing at all. And Bayern saying, hey, we're going to do that because instead of selling you or giving you what you want, like on principle, we need to punish you. We need to show you that your option only is us. And then for the last one is uh, Sevilla. They don't want to part with Kunde. And if they do, <laughs> they're going to at least, at least whatever amount they're willing to, I mean, Omochi is, is always willing to part with a player at a number. But yeah. I don't think it's anywhere that number is anywhere near what a Barcelona's current number would be. B a number that Barcelona could reach after renewing or potentially having Dembele resign or spending sixty or seventy on Rafinha because that's still the number. And then again, if they had sold De Jong and brought in Silva, that was still eighty plus. And then Lewandowski is going to be fifty. Yeah. And so right, and and so on that de- on the depth chart of things you need, you just brought in the center back from Christensen. PK's yeah. health is up for grabs, but. You know, I, I think the bigger question going all the way back to the free transfer of Kessier and, and Christensen, I really fa- like the fact that those two give you versatility. Like, mm-hmm. I w- we haven't talked about Christensen yet, but I would warn fans to say, oh, this is this Carlos Puyol 2.0. This is the savior of Barcelona's back line. That's not the case, but he's a player that's going to allow Xavi to play three at the back because you're going to have at mm-hmm. any one point three qualified dignified center backs, if you will. And I am throwing Eric Garcia in the mix there. Mm-hmm. And then Kessier does allow you to play a little bit more versatility in your midfield. But I, would, again, would really, really remind people and go, even if you don't go back to the AC Milan shows, the TL, the TL, oh boy, what is it, Emil? It's TLDR. TLDR, <laughs> yeah. The read of the Kessier stuff is that if you think because you look at him as a player and you understand what I'm saying, that he's just going to be some some swashbuckling, just a lot of muscle in the midfield. Yeah. And definitely he's a defensive midfielder, of course, because that's what, yeah. that's what he, the players like him is supposed to do. You're absolutely wrong. He's interior. 
who is good at passing on the ground. He yep. gets forward. He carries the ball quite a bit. And he actually is pretty uncomfortable in even a double pivot. He's, he's really an interior. That's what he's coming to do. So I would see him more, if Shavi's going to play a 3-4-2, a 3-4-3 rather, with two high interiors, mm -hmm. he's going to be one of the high interiors likely instead of mm -hmm. being the double pivot. I mean, maybe there's a positional change coming, but I'm saying the player who is arriving, who is already in his mid-20s yeah. and is pretty established, is mm -hmm. not this, this, again, muscle-bound force that you are going to see over and over and over and over again. It's a lazy perception of a player that yeah. they have not watched. So I just want to throw that out there. Yep, um, agree. Yeah. Yeah. Then of course, of course that, that perception of players is, is, is based on race, but there's also this belief that, and a reasonable way to say that, you know, to help people out mm -hmm. is that he got the quote unquote blessing of Yaya Tori. Yaya yeah. There's the whole Yaya Tori. Right. And Yaya Tori is a fellow Ivorian, Ivorian, yeah. a, mm -hmm. a Ivorian player. And so he, that being uh, Kessier, does follow in the line of, of African players, being mm -hmm. Agatori, being Sedo Keita, being Alex Sohan. Alex Sohan is the exception there because he gave yeah. the money and only the money <laughs> he's admitted. But so he is in a line of defensive midfielders who've yeah. come from Africa. So the, the players that he's going to be compared to and the players he wants to be compared to do play a different position. So like, I, I think there, there are ways that are certainly fair in those kind of comparisons to compare him to the other African players from Barcelona's past. 100% totally fair. Yes. He's going to do it himself. But just, again, the perception of how you're prepared to understand what he's going to do in the field. You know, he is, let's put it this way. I, I, the way that I spoke to the Milan guys about it and, mm -hmm. and the Milan podcast weekly, mm -hmm. he is more like Pablo Torre than he is like Pedro <laughs> Busquets. Like that is yeah. what I have been mm -hmm. warned <laughs> already. So um <laughs> He is going to, I mean, there's, there are going to be junctures where people are going to say, why is Gabi more physical than Kessier? I'm just setting you up for all of this stuff. <laughs> like, why, is, why is Gabi our hard-nosed midfielder and Kessier isn't? But that is, that's just the way it is. So just, yeah. just, I'm, I'm warning people there. Yeah. And I mean, I think, yeah, I think the, the Yaya Ture thing is obviously going to, going to inform, especially people. And I'm not like a huge Serie A head or, you know, I don't regularly watch AC Milan. I mean, I watch them here and there. And, you know, I've watched him more and more. I mean, particularly as he became a sort of an imminent target for Barca, I started, you know, just going back and watching a lot more of him. And yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, he's, yeah, I mean, he is a, he is a strong guy. Like he's, you know, he's, he's built well, he can absorb contact and, right. you know, kind of dish out a little bit himself, but yeah, he's not inclined to do that. Like he's not seeking out contact. Like he's not a, you know, he, he's not like a midfield enforcer, you know, in any way like he's, he can do those things. Yeah. But he's a much more kind of refined. And I mean, I think you use the word, I mean, he's, he's a more refined and versatile player and he, well, moves, it, as I thought about this, the more about his positioning, like what to yeah. expect, I actually would kind of expect a Tur Vidal without like all of the fouling and all that stuff. With like, all of the, without the, the ethos Vidal. of Arturo Vidal. Right, I'm saying Arturo Vidal moving forward, right? Yeah, yeah. Like that mm -hmm. season when he was third, or, or actually Paulinho would be another example. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of mm -hmm. what you're hoping for. That is what you're expecting. And I, I think I'm going to really try to push that train forward about the Paulinho comparison. And I do think that's, that's a really reasonable expectation. Yeah. Paulinho actually was a better finisher, believe it or not. Paulinho was a better finisher, but... Who knows as well? Kessier had the opportunities at Milan and could contribute goals mm -hmm. in that way. Though, again, similar way that Paulinho did. Yeah, so we will see Christensen and Kessier. It's, you know, Kessier has already been presented today mm -hmm. and Christensen tomorrow. So still waiting on other news again. Uh, it's funny because by the time this hits your ears, Dembele and Rafinha 
especially this time of year, everything is nonsense. And it's been days now, but we are no closer to knowing if Barca is getting one, both or neither, which mm-hmm. I, I don't, I mean, I mean, I feel like there's 33% chance on all three of those, right? Like economically, oh, totally. <laughs> like it could be both because Xavi really, I mean, we know that the system he wants to play, he wants to prioritize wingers. So certainly yeah. going to say, hey, what if I can just have both of them? <laughs> because Dembele on the left makes just as much sense as him on the right. And you can put Rafinha mm-hmm. on the right. So, all right. And Kessier and Kristen will be fun to see them in training, I guess. But the preseason has begun. That's the other big news too. I, I'm excited. I'm seeing Barcelona in... 24 days now. Super excited to see them in person. And who, and for other people there who are like, wait, where are the stars? Where are the big, big names? Barcelona's at a point though where they don't really have any big names that get to miss training because nobody was international duty. And, yeah. you know, they just kind of get to move people in back slowly. But mm-hmm. I am excited as always for the chance that the youngsters get. And, mm-hmm. you know, in the years I've been doing this, Emil, I try not to get too overzealous because mm-hmm. I can throw names at you that you're going to be like, did they even ever play for the first team? The answer is no, but they did go in the preseason. Uh, oh, so sure. usually for the preseason call-ups, one third of them will make three to 10 appearances. But due to the nature of the squad and minutes and opportunities that may be available for FC Barcelona, mm-hmm. I feel like Xavi picked the exact right ones. Like I think I feel like I'm validated that him and my beliefs of which players deserve the spots in the first team or deserve opportunities we're mm-hmm. back to the same page, which again, it makes me feel gratified that those players that I've said, oh, they look like they have some potential. Xavi's agreeing and saying the same thing. So uh, while Humino A players, that being the U19s, Arnau Casas and Alex Bea, mm-hmm. the center back and left back, they got a call up to training. But from what I saw in terms of like opening up the preseason and potentially mm-hmm. going to the US for that tour, it was Arnau Tanas, Nico Marmol, Chadi Riyad, Alex Balde, Mark Casado, Pablo Torre, Antonio Aranda, Izzy Abde, Ilasha Komash, and Fabio Blanco. And since Riyadh and Casado, that being a center back and a defensive midfielder, two players I'm pretty high on, they were just promoted from the Juvenil A and renewed their new contracts that was announced two days ago. Mm-hmm. I could see both of them doing preseason with Rafa, uh, Rafa Marquez, the new head coach of Barcelona Athletic, and, yeah. and not traveling to the U.S., so I could see, and then even Ilasha Komas to a similar degree, I could very well see him just doing this initial preseason. And then again, those three figures in particular in Riyadh, Casado, and Komas, they are, I mean, you, there's an argument that they're supposed to be Barcelona Athletic's most, uh, three most important players, even with, depending on what happens with Marmol and Balde uh, and Aranda, like, yeah, sure, there are other players who are going to be doing a job. But you could argue that this the highest ceiling of those three yeah. really takes Barcelona's um, B team to the, the next stratosphere. And so I'm excited to see what they do in these few weeks when we're not seeing games. But if they come to the U.S., I, I know that that's because Xavi really is taking a hard look at them. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But I, and you know, I, I do agree with you as far as the potential value in you know, I don't want to say leaving them behind because I feel like that has almost like a negative connotation to it, but just kind of like leaving them in Barcelona to work with the guy who's going to be their new coach. And, you know, before we started recording, we were talking about how Rafa Marquez has minimal coaching experience. Like we don't know who or what he is as a coach in that sort of situation in any kind of coaching change, but particularly when you have a first time coach and an inexperienced coach who hasn't you know even been an assistant or anything very much. I think that that time together and kind of the the actual in-person time, FaceTime and time on the training pitch with, and I agree with three of what are going to be your, you know, probably five 
most important players in the coming season, I think has greater value than the guys traveling to the United States with the first team. I mean, because as, as much as that would be, you know, a validation of their, of their progress and their, you know, their standing within the club and the club's regard for them, you know, from a practical perspective, I mean, I think getting on the same page as, as Rafa, as, you know, as quickly as possible and understanding what their roles are going to be and just learning how they're all going to work together is more important than, you know, just kind of the, the feel good factor that would, that would come with going with the senior team. Yeah. And those names that I said to you are two years younger than Pablo Torre. I didn't mention Pablo Torre because even if he's not completely in the first team and he does play a bit with Barcelona's B team, Mm-hmm. I think he's fully capable of coming to the U.S., going right back into the Barca B system yeah. or Barca, uh, Barcelona athletic system mm-hmm. and just being a starter and being their best player. I think Pablo Torre, that's the level he's at right now. So I didn't mention yeah. him because, I, you know, not to say that he doesn't need to know the system or know the instructions, but he's, again, at 19, he was a full professional for racing something there. He was the most important player yeah. in being promotion in the second division. So, uh, I mean, he's a good player. And even if he doesn't make it into the first team because of the competition and they just mm-hmm. want to get in minutes and reps, He'll be just fine again, just showing up at Barcelona Athletic. That's the kind of level he's at. Speaking of at the level, Lamine Yamal, the 14-year-old who, again, for a bigger discussion of Rafa Marquez too, I talked about the U.S. Treasury stuff and how I got that wrong about Rafa Marquez, where I I covered it pretty hard and I was pretty harsh on him when he was put on that blacklist um, for potential dealings. But through years now, going back to again, 2021, he's been cleared of all wrongdoing. He's been taken off the blacklist. And I just want to reiterate that, that, you know, I, I did cover when he, when he messed up and I didn't do my due diligence covering it when he has cleared his name. So it's, it's a new beginning for Alfa Marquez again. Yeah. I've worked a little bias against the uh, former Mexican international players from all the times it broke my heart from as a U.S. fan growing up, but that's beside the point. The point is that Rafa Marquez uh, deserves again, the the full green light and support as he starts a a new, a new version of his time at SC Barcelona. But uh, speaking of Yamal, if you go back to the La Masia video I did a few weeks ago, there's a YouTube video, whole long thing, as well as the podcast. And I talked about Yamal not knowing kind of where he was going to be saying like, oh, if he plays with the Hubenel Bays this year, you know, cadet ah again, because he's just turning 15 next week. <laughs> so it came out yesterday that I was even undershooting his potential. He's going to be playing with the Hubenel Oz, which is the, the U19s next season, yeah. right? <laughs> he's going to be 15 playing with the U19. So I was trying to dig around for the last player to do that. And the answer that I found was either no one or Boyan Kirkic, who made yeah. him up. Uh, I mean, we're going back because you can go back farther than that. Now you're talking about the Barca C team, where okay. the Barca C team was this again, this intermarry thing where it wasn't even Barca B, there was Barca C as well, uh, mm-hmm. which was also like the surplus of U19, maybe some of the high level U18 players. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was got a little more complicated, but the yeah. but the last player to go from Cadet A to Hubenel A, which again the U16s to U19s was the U18s mm-hmm. by Bassinet completely. It, it seems like it was Boyan Kirkett. So obviously Gabi and Ansu have all made these jumps yes. in different directions, but they didn't go straight from Cadet A or sorry, Infantile. I'm trying to get this right. I think it was Infantile A to mm-hmm. Cadet A to Juvenile A all in one year, like uh, or a year and a half or whatever it is. Yeah, they, that's, that's a cool. that's a stratospheric jump. Yeah, right. I mean, you, you, that's you're like talking, leapfrogging. You're talking U14s to U16s to U19s all in one year. Yeah. But as I always say, like, yes, he's one of the best forwards I've ever seen in the academy. Mm-hmm. But as we do that over and over again, Delafeu, anyone, right? Mm-hmm. Like, just there's still yeah. so much. Boyan. Uh, boy, yeah. Well, 
I think Boyan, I always say this, like I, I worked with, maybe it's because I met him and I'm biased, but I, it was all, and he's admitted, it's all what was happening up here. Mm, okay. Uh, and I really think potential wise and like ability wise, Boyan had it. It just was like, he just could not keep with the pressure of that. And you could side. see small, yeah, you would see flashes. Like it, it wasn't like he, it wasn't like he found a level where he couldn't perform, but it was just, he couldn't do it consistently and for long stretches. Right. Yeah. I mean, where his career has gone since then shows you that, and he's admitted that the battles yeah. he has on off the field that we don't get to see mm. are the ones right. that are like that. Again, we always, I always root for Boy, and I hope he come returns to Barcelona someday in some capacity yeah. to be able to work with the club. But yeah, so that's the news on Imol. And finally, where I think is a another fun point to end the show, we do this because it is the off season. My question to me, will yes. we all fall for the yearly trap of wow, look at that guy's new body? You know, I, I remember, I'm talking about Pedri, of course. I, I remember <laughs> we had a local farm show, a fair type thing. I, I don't want to get into any more details about that. The week before we all went back to school growing up, mm-hmm. and every year your friends that you hadn't seen over the summer had a new haircut or new clothes yeah. or the literally changed overnight because you were, you know, in your preteens or you're a teenager. Yep. So now Barca, I, I must say, does have some teenagers. So that could happen, right? Like Gabi... Yeah legitimately show up and just look a bit different in three months yeah <laughs> an accurate picture or something but you know this whole pedri put on all this muscle stuff is a bit silly to me i even saw a report that you know he put on a few kilos and I saw four kilos or something four kilos of muscle yeah and of course like the way that he was crossing his arms or whatever but you know we see this every yeah i mean the Luis, and, the Luis suarez ones are the most fun where if people were mad at Luis suarez they found an angle where it looked like his shirt was baggy because yeah. he was pulling it up too much or if it was Luis suarez was ready to go and he was raring and people were excited to get behind him then they saw one where he was completely jacked right or yeah. every time a player moves to Bayern munich they wait for the most vascular picture that they can find and <laughs> what they've done at Bayern munich right so uh, yeah i'm not going to fall for it i think pedri He's still going to be Pedri. He's still going to be gliding around the field. He's still going to look like he's on ice skates and I make the opposition look like they're on skates. So yeah, it was just, it's, it's just always fun to watch the preseason thing. It's like, it's, it's like clockwork, Emil. Every, every, yeah. I just wonder who's it going to be, right? Who's it going to be the player that's put on all that muscle or is in amazing, perfect shape to be the perfect player? Well, you hear it in training camp a lot in like the American sports is like the, the classic, like best shape of his life. Yeah. Thing. And um, look, I mean, the, the one thing that I'll say is like, y- you can put on muscle and Pedri's young and, you know, his, I mean, yeah, sure. At this point, like, I mean, I'm sure his body is like, you know, he's not still kind of growing the way of like a teenager would be, but right. it's, you know, he's, yeah. it, but it's not inconceivable that he could, you know, just kind of solidify. I mean, I don't think he's going to suddenly turn into a Hulk, but there might be a little bit too of, yeah, put on a little bit of muscle because it'll it'll help you absorb contact or, you know, just, you know, your joints will be stronger and, and that kind of thing. I mean, I, I do love the, yeah, because whenever you come back, it's all of the changes, whatever it is that what happened over the the weeks or months that, that he was gone, everyone has to absorb it all at once. And yeah, he's this new, like, yeah, I, I did kind of, I did get a kick out of that. I will also say he does look more solid. So, I mean, I don't know if it's four kilos or what it is, but like, it does look like he's been in the gym, you know. I mean, I don't think he just went and laid on the beach. To to his credit, he didn't just go lay on the beach. But I mean, for his own well being, I mean that that kid needs to just go lay on the beach for like yeah. six weeks once. Like they need to leave him alone yeah. for for a few weeks, just once in his life. 
Well, I will say, again, not comparing myself to Pedri in any way, but <laughs> he and I are very much the exact same size. And when okay. I mean, height wise. And mm-hmm. so when I was in college and I was on a team and I was able to go to the gym a bit more with consistency mm-hmm. and those kind of things, I actually put most of my weight on, not in high school without that, that lifting. But once mm-hmm. I started lifting in the collegiate gyms and mm-hmm. had a little bit more assurance with, with friends who had a better understanding of it, then I was able to put on about 20 pounds of muscle. My like, okay. when I was eight between 18 and, and like 20, right. Between that, like yeah, that yeah. year or two. So that is really where I saw a change in everything. Yep. Right? So it's, I mean, and before that, prior to that, prior to being 19 or 18 years old, I couldn't put and keep on that, that weight. I just mm. could not, it just the muscle muscular wise. It just wasn't happening. Not that I'm like some muscular guy today, but I'm what I think Pedro, I, I became what, 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 the goal is for Pedri as well. And Pedri again has a dietitian and uh, full fitness and um, a million coaches and methodologies. And right. So like, we're talking like actual. And essentially like just the, you know, the, the leisure time, essentially the time to focus completely on working out as like, as fitness is his job. Yeah. So he can. The only thing I really emphasize with is that at 19, (laughs) sometimes there are bodies out there that don't want to accept that weight until they're 18, 19, 20 years old. And yeah, I had friends like that. Like they would just, they would eat like absolute maniacs and yeah. go to the gym and still be, they'd get stronger. It was weird. They would get stronger, but they would still kind of look very wiry and real thin. Yeah. Yeah. All I want to see as far as like pictures, right? Like this, mm-hmm. just send me a, an x-ray of, of Ansu Fati's knee. And, yeah. and let, I have a doctor tell me that it looks great. That's really yeah. the only thing that I want to believe. Right? I want the little like ding, like they do in toothpaste commercials, like just the x-ray, like it's yeah. perfect. Like the, the angels sing and well, it, it was, a, what was it? The first day when they went to training and uh, there was a video just on, I think it was on Barca's Twitter feed of just, you know, the various players taking to the, the practice pitch and Ansu came out and whatever he might, I think he just like bumped his arm somewhere or whatever. And he came out kind of rubbing his arm. And immediately my first thought was like, Oh no, I'm like, don't tell me he hurt his arm now. Just like, I, I feel like with him, I'm like, can we just keep him in bubble wrap? And yeah. just, you know, just, but yeah, like all I, he, he seems, but he seems happy and healthy and he doesn't seem to be, you know I mean? I haven't watched the practices or anything, but there seems to be no kind of, buzz or kind of caution or you know even just kind of downplaying of of expectations which is such a welcome treat right now well and to bring it all full circle uh mm-hmm. after alexia going down i need at least two months before i'm going to be really sad again about an injury so honestly just need to stay healthy for at least two months and everyone else pedri need to stay healthy for at least two months so i can kind mm-hmm. of come to terms with this Alexi Buteus news uh, yeah. like halfway through her recovery. So anyway, that'll wrap it up. Nice little summer fun. As I said, I hope that our second show this week or even into next week is all about Andre Christensen going to do a deep dive with some excerpts on him. And then by that time, again, who knows? I might be needing to talk to some Leeds United experts in the future. I might be needing to talk to some uh, Man City experts. Well, uh, we'll figure out Bernardo Silva. Or, or, <laughs> and I've had Bayern Munich experts on before, right before they they ate two mm-hmm. and things like that. So I don't know if I've learned my lesson about that. So we'll, we'll have to <laughs> put a pin in all those things. But for now, yes, it's Kessie, it's Christensen, and this is another edition of the Barcelona podcast. Twitter and Instagram uh, for him. That's uh, that being a meal down in the comments mm-hmm. below. He does a bit of writing, so follow him to to keep up with his writing there. And then Twitter and Instagram for us mm-hmm. at the Barcelona Podcast as well. You know we're on YouTube, and I put everything on the Twitter feed. Generally, everything is on Instagram. So if you follow us, 
It's a good way to keep track of everything. Same thing, the Facebook group, the Barcelona podcast, answer the questions I let you in. That's a community where they're talking about all these things, all this fun, uh, all the little nonsense stories that I don't even bring up. They're, they're all on the Facebook group there. Patrons, how we keep making these shows. They've kept me afloat. They continue to keep me afloat. Uh, and you can also listen to the ads over there. So most importantly, uh, for those who, again, this is not video wise, but for those who are still listening, if you do check out the video portion of this show, Emil today was decked out in his Barcelona pocket stuff. You've seen me wearing the Ola Coulet shirt before, and now we've got the red version. So Emil's decked out in that. So it was awesome to see. And so most importantly, though, thank you so much for listening to the Barcelona podcast. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon. Before the Barca. Before the Barca.